0: Hello everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Sean Smith, as always joined by Derek Terry. Derek, have you warmed up from uh, being at Kroger Field yesterday?
1: I did. thought out when I got home. Uh,
0: and really the bad news is
1: we missed what would have been pretty much perfect spring game weather by one day because it was about 60 degrees and uh, not really any clouds in the sky at all I was looking outside right now and it's just a beautiful day in lexington but uh as it is though they did play and it was you know for for most of us probably the last live football we'll see until uh the home opener there in early september
0: yeah and uh, you're sitting here talking about this weather yeah when I was walking in yesterday I was just getting absolutely destroyed with <laughs> snow and sleet and all this stuff like going in my ear and I'm like where did this come from i I mean, I knew it was supposed to be colder, but I didn't think – I wasn't expecting it to do all that. And then I get up to the press box and the, the field's covered. And I know we've always talked about – I know I've always talked about what would it be like to cover a game in the snow, but it as uh, quickly as it kind of covered the field, it melted away, and you couldn't even tell it had snowed by the time kickoff – or not, not really even a kickoff, but by the time they took that first snap.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, that is kind of the good thing is, I mean, I think there might have been like a few sprinkles uh... – but nothing that was bad. It was just cold. It was just a cold day. And uh, I don't think they had a huge recruiting turnout in the first place, which might not be a bad thing, just given how the weather is. I mean, I hope that this is eventually going to turn and that we won't have any any more days like this or like what it was Saturday. But, um, Sean, I thought it was a good day uh, overall, some, some good things on both sides. I think spring games are just, especially yesterday, it felt pretty much geared towards offensive output. Um we talk about defense. I mean, you're these are your teammates you're scrimmaging against. So I don't think uh I mean you you, you want to play live, but not you're not trying to hurt guys, you're not it's probably not a very good reflection of a real game. And you could say that too with offense because the obvious thing is the quarterbacks couldn't get hit. Um but besides that, I just some of my takeaways, man, just they're they're pretty pretty well off at almost every position outside of I would say offensive tackle. I think they could use someone else there if they, if they really wanted to go that route. And we'll talk more about this tomorrow uh, when we do a defensive takeaways, but corner, those are really the only two spots that I left yesterday thinking, you know, maybe they could be a little bit better off at those two spots, but overall I feel like coming into a season and, and for one having a pretty good quarterback probably helps us a lot, but I just feel more confident. I think in this offensive unit, despite some of the personnel losses and coaching staff changes, then I have – I don't even I don't even know how far back I would go. I mean, it's been – I think they're in great shape offensively.
0: First thing you tweeted about yesterday when you walked out of there was Kentucky's offense and how they have all the pieces. And it, honestly, it wouldn't be surprising if they are very good on that side of the ball, Derek. And I know uh, Will Levis talked to us after the game yesterday, and he was talking that there's about – that was probably about 25 to 30% of what they will be. So it's still a lot of stuff. And he said – I think it was a, sort of a quote, like a lot of fun stuff still that they'll hold on to and keep in their back pocket. But you you saw some fullback. Uh, you saw some different things. But then you saw some of those things, too, that were established under Liam Cohen. Uh, one thing would be Tavion Robinson, transfer from Virginia Tech. His success and being at Kentucky was all off of Wandel Robinson and his success that he had at Kentucky. So I, I think that's a position to watch and a player to watch he showed some wiggle to his game and his ability to Mm -hmm. make plays when he had the ball in his hands.
1: Yeah. He, he had uh looks like going by the stats. He had three catches for 42 yards, definitely showed some uh, run after catch ability. I mean, I think he's going to be, if you're, if you're taking any kind of early who leads Kentucky in catches this year, I think he's got to be the guy that you look at. Um, he's gonna get quite a bit of volume and he looks to be pretty sure-handed i mean this was a guy who was a what third team all acc performer yeah. at virginia tech i mean this is a guy who can play i mean he you know he's not getting kind of the fanfare as a transfer as a guy like wandel did just because obviously wandel um was was very good at nebraska but probably more so he was a highly profiled recruit who was from right down the road who was committed to uk at one time and one, they, they desperately needed a guy like Wondell to come in last year. But I feel like Tavion, as much as you can kind of be slept on, I guess, as a transfer, uh, I just I just feel like maybe people haven't talked about him as much as they maybe should have. I think he's going to be – even – it's not just like – I'm not just saying UK fans. Like, when I was still working at 24-7, we had our transfer portal uh, ratings. And, like, I think he was only like a three-star on there. But then a guy like Javon Baker, who I, I think could be very good for Kentucky, was a four-star. But if you look at the production in college, there's no question. Tavion had been much better to that point. Um, So I think those kind of things, uh, the recruiting or the uh, transfer ratings are kind of in the infancy still. I mean, this is a pretty new concept for everybody. Uh, I don't even know if there's a really good explanation as to how they do ratings. But I I feel like Tavion is going to be pretty good. Um, Speaking of the receivers, Sean, the one guy who kind of – I don't know if I want to say stole the show. I guess I guess when I left there yesterday, the guy that I was most excited about was Dane Key. Um,
0: I think you can say stole the show, though. Yeah, I think so. He really really stood out. Both of his catches
1: were, I mean, he had a touchdown catch on a ball that Will Lewis almost knocked him down on and got his head around just in time. And then Bo Allen found him for, you know, one of the better throws of the day. Um, Made a nice sleeping catch. I mean, he had two catches, but they went for 43 yards and one was a touchdown. And I didn't obviously get to go to the – um open practice that they had for media but um from from the people i've talked to and just based off the reporting coaching comments i mean he's another guy that i feel like you can pencil him in as someone who's going to play this fall as long as he's healthy and uh I, i don't i don't know what there's still so much time left before the season starts um I asked my my brother went and then my other buddy Josh went and I, I asked them like I, I didn't even know like a good number to put on the over under for catches for Dang I wasn't really sure I said something like twenty five because that's basically an average of two per game to make a bowl game I mean that's like pretty light work uh, I would say but for a guy like that, I I don't know like I don't know what a number would be because he will be competing at a spot that has Chris Lewis who I like a lot and I'm gonna get to him later but then also Javon Baker's gonna come in and I think you would assume that Baker's being brought in here to be a starter. Um, he, he brings some physicalness to that room that no one else has. And then obviously you got another guy too, like I, I think Barry on Brown will probably carve out a role for himself in a different position, but they got a lot of mouths to feed this year. And you haven't been able to say that much here recently. So I don't even know like what a good number is, but I, I just felt like of all the guys that we've seen early enroll and come in here as a freshman, he just, he just looks different than what mm-hmm. these other guys do
0: think about how much that position and the quarterback position has developed and changed since we started this podcast. Yeah. Right, this podcast <laughs> was started in August of 2020. And then late November, 2020, we, we saw them struggle in a lot of areas and they were at a crossroads at the, at those spots and, and they figured it out. And I think that's the thing is, is how quickly they got it figured out. And then the talent that they have there now and the pieces and the options at wide receiver, like that's a room that, has a lot of talent, and it's going to be impressive. It's going to be fun to watch because there's, it's not just that they have pieces, but there's competition at those spots too, Derek, and it's talented competition.
1: It is. I mean, I think I had that tweet around signing day. So it would have been in December. I think it would have been before they even added Javon Baker. But when we started this podcast going into that 2020 season, the only four-star in the room, if you're going off the 24-7 sports composite, was Michael Drennan, who was technically an all-purpose back coming out of high school and is back at running back now. Uh, but he was playing wide receiver his freshman year. That was the only guy. And he, he basically made zero impact that season. Um, and then you flip it to what's going to be the 2022 season. I, I forget. I mean, I can just reel them off uh, looking at this list. Tavion Robinson was a four-star in high school. Danke Key was a four-star. Uh, Chris Lewis was a four-star. So those are the guys who had a catch yesterday. And then you got Barry on Brown, Jordan Anthony, um, the Cal who didn't play yesterday. He was a force. I'm, I'm forgetting guys. Like, you get the point, though. They have a bunch <laughs> and they had pretty much none two years ago. So that's been a position that, you know, that was a big deal when they hired Liam Cohen. I mean, they wanted to, you know, revamp the offense. And I really think, I mean, it started with, you know, John Somerall recruiting some guys, he got Chris Lewis out of the South, who's a four-star guy who I'll get into him again here in a second, but uh, then you had Dekel Kratis. These are guys who kind of still believed kind of th- whole, through the Eddie Grand coaching change with Liam Cohen. And then I think you got to give a lot of credit just to the offensive switch. And then you had guys um, like Scott Woodward on the recruiting trail, Liam, and then you know, probably some other guys too, who you helped get Barry on Brown, who is a, you know, top 100 ish wide receiver uh, player in the country. I mean, you saw him at the All American game. He's just going kind to of have a different gear than these other guys. I think Jordan Anthony might be a little bit more of a project type just because he's so small at this point and he's not probably, probably not really been in a real weight program yet. So we'll see what he develops into. Um, and then Dane. Dane's the other guy that you look at. Uh, <laughs> you just sent me that tweet. Thanks for that. Um, Dane's a he's he's a guy who's here though, and he's a guy who I think's probably already carving out a role. I mean he, I mean he might be coming out of the spring in the best spot, out of out of any of those incoming guys uh, who are who are true freshmen anyway, because obviously they brought in some transfers who are going to be plug and play guys. But they've done a phenomenal job, and that's the outlook is good because a lot of these guys are still going to be so young. You look at this team, and I think the national narrative. or or local media, not not local media, but like SEC network type conversations, it's going to be, who's going to replace Wondell? Who's going to replace Wondell? And then even Josh Ali to an extent was a guy who had been around a long time, had over 40 catches last year. I just have no doubt that if you kind of dig into this thing, is there some faith involved? Yeah, probably. But I think for people who follow it, it's just there's such a higher ceiling now. And you're not – you should be in a spot where you don't really have to rely on a guy like Wondell Robinson just getting – A ridiculous amount of targets because you should have more guys who are capable of getting open and guys who can produce for you. So, some of these guys will still be young. Um, but I expect that the talent level is going to be pretty clear. And I think with a potential high draft pick and Will Levis at quarterback, and then you add in the tight ends we've not even talked about yet. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like about this offense.
0: Yeah. And let's talk about Levis there, Derek. I know it's a spring game and you you don't want to take the thing with spring is you can take a lot, but really you, you don't want to look at things too deep because it's a spring, It's a blue white game. Like obviously it's a controlled setting when it comes to the quarterback position and things like that. But I thought he looked good for the two drives that he had. I think he looked exactly the way you had hoped he would look going into that game. And I think you're, you're seeing it now. And you saw, I know Justin Rowland tweeted it yesterday that he thinks that, Levis is the best UK quarterback since couch. And when you're talking talent and draft position and where he could fall in that draft, I mean, Andre Woodson was a six-round pick, I believe. Jared Lorenzen was undrafted. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that, that he's the best when it comes to that end of it. Now, he still, ha- he still needs to do things and add to his legacy. We know the, the legacy that Lorenzen left and Woodson left and even Mike Hartline in that final season. But Levis is right there when it comes to talent that he, he could be the best since couch
1: yeah i mean woodson was the quarterback when i was first getting into uk football i mean those good years and i mean i always have a soft spot (laughs) for andre woodson he was by far my favorite uk football player for a very long time and randall cobb um but in terms of yeah i I would agree i mean but, but if you do remember there was a time when when people thought woodson would be a high draft pick himself uh Sure. So I guess you never really know until it happens, but I, I think Levis gives you more. I mean, I think he's already shown that in his career with his ability to run, although based Sean, based on what I read yesterday, I don't know if you talked to the new OC, but it kind of sounds like, uh, they would, I mean, he he's such a good runner that he does bring something, but it's almost like they they don't want him doing the stuff he was doing last year, which was like bringing the truck stick on a Missouri safety in like the second quarter of a game and the second game of the season. Like I think they kind of want to cut that stuff out. (laughs) And I think if you're Will Levis, uh, there's almost something to it last year where you're still trying to establish yourself and, you know, fighting for those yards being tough. I think I understand why he did it. And I do think it, you know, kind of sets a tone. But this is kind of his, like, money year to go get drafted high. And his importance to this Kentucky team, um, I mean, they got to have him out there. So, like, I, I would also prefer not to see that unless it's, like, you know, game on the line type stuff. And then you do what you can to, to try to win. Yeah. But another thing, too, yesterday, and I sent this text to somebody, just watching the, the throw to Dane Key on the touchdown. I mean, he looks so calm, but it, a lot of that probably is the fact that he knows he's not going to get hit. Um, but just going through those progressions, things like that yesterday. And like you said, I mean, it's a spring game. It's kind of hard to take a ton from it, but I mean, he did, he looked relaxed and I was sitting over on the sideline, um, where the offense was over there, uh, where where the visitors are are normally at, at Kroger field and just uh, a really good teammate. I mean, they can just tell how much of a leader he is. I would have loved to see him just as a fan out there. Like I would have loved to have seen him get another series. I think he only played in two. Um, that would have been nice, but at the same time, he's proven now at this point, there's really no reason to throw him out there any more than what they had to, but it'll be interesting. I think to see will in this offense and, and just kind of see how he handles. I mean, he's by the time these NFL draft guys who cover this, I think really turned their attention to 2000. You already started to see it with, uh, what was his name? Pete Prisco. I think, um, talking about him being a potential QB one conversation. I don't think anyone's going to take that from Bryce Young, but I think you'll see more and more guys when they start to dig into that 2023 draft class start to talk about Levis. So I think there actually might be a decent amount of hype coming for him by the time the fall gets here. So, you know, how does he handle that? Because it'll be the first time in his career. He's, you know, he's he's already the starter. He doesn't he's already earned it. So just some different challenges, I think, for him versus where he's been at other points in his career. But i mean i think i think he's kind of the key to, to talking about the ceiling of this team because if he clicks and this offense is as good as it could be i mean 10 wins are, are again it's certainly not out of the question
0: yeah well last off season the, the biggest storyline for him was why was he eating a banana with the pill on it, you know <laughs> and now you're, you're yeah. kind of trans uh transitioning to where he's going get, to get a lot of talk about the the higher end of the top end of the nfl draft and and I think he has all the tools to to be a very good pro. And and I think you want to see that at Kentucky this year. The the intermediate throws, the accuracy, the the, the decision making in the pocket. Some of those interception numbers go down. That's right. what you want to see from him this year. He's going to have a lot of dudes to throw the ball to. He's got a running back he can lean on. Obviously, the offensive line going to be a, a big topic when we get into July and into August and that preseason practices. What did you think about it yesterday, Derek? And I know obviously you were in the stands. I don't, I don't know what your your vantage point was, but obviously Eli Cox wasn't there because of his brother's wedding, so they played Quentin Wilson at center with the ones and twos. The interior, very, very deep, but it's the outer pieces, those tackles. That's where everybody's looking right now, and, and do you still expect Kentucky to add something there? Um, I think it'd probably still be a good
1: idea if it's the right piece, if you could get someone who could truly come in and, and compete and push for a starting job.
0: It'd have to be somebody that adds depth, depth immediately, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I I think, uh, you know,
1: just from talking to some people, it sounds like, I guess I left there too. And again, like, um, when I would sit in the press box or I I think I've probably talked about this before on this podcast, I I really think in the game of football, sitting up higher really is better than sitting low. I mean, I was sitting in the lower bowl. Obviously everybody was yesterday. I don't think the top was even open, nor would there be a reason to go up there I guess. Um, (laughs) But I felt like watching it from up top, you, you could get a better idea of what's going on at the line of scrimmage. So I didn't really get to watch those guys a ton. I didn't really focus on that. Matter of fact, until I got on Twitter after the game and saw someone tweet about Grant Bingham, I, I totally forgot he even enrolled early, um, which was still pleasant to see. They're not going to need him this year, but I think Grant's a guy who's going to be able to compete for at least a rotation spot next year. But just in terms of – like physicalness, just like being, like I said, being down there um, close to the sideline. I mean, Goodwin is everything he's talked up to be. I mean, he's massive, does not look like a true freshman. And then Manning, I mean, Manning's huge too. If you ever had a scenario where those two guys were on the line next to each other, I mean, that is a lot of muscle. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, lot of just two really big bodies down there. Um, but just going off from talking to people and kind of some guys who have watched practice, uh, more than once this spring. I mean, it sounds like there's some real confidence in DeAndre Buford and Jeremy Flax. And I do think it's worth pointing out. I mean, Flax was a one of the top junior college tackles here UK signed him. He was a guy who, if he didn't go to Kentucky, he was probably going to go to Auburn. So, I mean, he had some heavyweight schools recruiting him. DeAndre Buford, I know, was a four-star on 24-7. Um, his his whole thing, though, was, you know, he was on the lighter end whenever he came into college. He, he didn't weigh very much. needed to work on his body but he's very athletic. I mean, I, these are these are two guys who I think, based off recruiting, I mean, pretty good caliber recruits. And then Goodwin is a guy who I think probably as of today is at least competing for a backup tackle spot. I think he's probably going to play this fall. Um so I think if you like, to me, the guy, and I th- he said he's going to make his decision. I don't think it's going to be Kentucky, um, but Tyler Steen, someone who is a proven SEC starter, I know it's at like Vanderbilt, but still someone who knows what they're getting into. That would make sense to me, maybe more than taking a highly rated recruit who might be transferred from a school, but doesn't have a ton of action. Cause then if they do that, I'm not sure yeah. you're really in a spot that's any better than what you're already in. Um, so maybe for a guy like Flax, maybe the coaching change did some wonders for him. Who knows? Um, really, until we get to to the fall, it's going to be hard to know for sure on tackle. But I don't think it's like a dire need type situation no. like where if you do – like if you absolutely do not address this, then you're going to have a bad season. Like I don't think it's that no. extreme. Um, but I do feel really good about the interior. And, again, like like I said, I, it's just different for me now. I don't think I even realized that Cox wasn't out there until – game had already started like I just wasn't (laughs) even really looking for him I didn't know he was out because of his brother's wedding but uh the the line play too I mean it's just another thing where I mean I I think they've recruited pretty well and I I really don't have any worries at all about the interior I mean Cox moving to center uh I guess that's a a bit of a storyline because they've done so well there I mean they had Drake for four years uh John Toth basically before him and then the one year of Fortner was great. I mean, Fortner's going to get drafted now after that season that he just had. So there's a lot to live up there, but I think Eli will do just fine. And then Horsey's a good experienced guy. And then Manning, I mean, I don't I don't know what was going on at Auburn. Maybe Auburn was just so good at offensive line that this kid couldn't start, but I, I don't know what was up with that because I think he's going to step in and do a great job. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
0: It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. Yeah, and they—the staff seems pretty confident, though, that you know, with with it being some question marks right now, but there there will be depth at those spots when it comes time to have it. Like you know, John Schlarman was very good, Derek, and in his time there at building that depth uh, across the line. And that's something that kind of went away last year that I think that they're wanting to get back to at that spot is rotating those guys in more often, getting them reps, getting them experience, and just being deep overall on that offensive line.
1: Yeah. I mean, you think about the potential interior, cause it, you know, I was, I guess if you think about the offensive line, that the twos yesterday and correct me if I'm wrong, but you had a good one at left tackle, um, was Jagger at left guard or right guard? Uh, I think he was at right guard. And I think uh, John Young might have been at left guard. And I think Quentin Wilson, I don't know, it was Wilson with the ones or twos. I don't remember. And, um, but then I think Wall, Wallabo was the right tackle. I mean,
0: and he went left one time too, by the way.
1: Wallabo did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But that's a guy who um, was a mid three star type guy, but comes from a really, really good pedigree. His brother had a good college career. I think his dad played in the NFL for a number of years. Burton and Young, both four-star type guys. Burton, for sure, I mean, as a, you know, you can look at it now and, and see that the interior is pretty pretty well off, but he's going to be good enough to play. You know, I might not start this year. But that was a guy that, you know, was a massive recruiting win for Kentucky to get him over Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson. And then good one, obviously, this was a very fresh recruitment. <laughs> uh, just came to a close a couple months ago um but he's he's kind of your future guy i mean this is a guy who if he puts it all together you're talking about being a first round draft pick one day and that's your twos right now they're young but if you get into a spot it's not like these guys don't have talent they just offensive line i mean it takes a lot of maturing over the years i mean that that is the one position that you can kind of pinpoint some other guys on a depth chart and be like yeah this this guy probably won't amount to much maybe won't ever see the field offensive line isn't really that. I mean, you had guys like Bunchy Stallings who you didn't hear about for three years and then turned into an (laughs) All-American senior year, you know? So like, it just takes a lot of time to build. It's a hard position to play, especially in this league. Um, I mean, who knows? We could be having a conversation a year from now about that position being a strength for Kentucky based on how these guys play next year. I mean, you're going to have four guys like, let's say they don't add somebody. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But if, if they do go into the season with Buford and Flax as their starting tackles, uh, I know for sure Buford's got several years left. I, I, Flax, I'm a little confused because he was a Juco guy plus the COVID year. Um, but I think he's at least got at least one more year of eligibility. And then you got Keontae and Wallabo, two guys who are going to be uh, – one's a true freshman, one's a redshirt freshman. And then Nick Hall's coming in here. Uh, he was another highly rated kid. Um you know, they're doing a good job recruiting on the offensive line. So, when we get to tomorrow and talk about the corners, I'm far more worried about that position, I think, yeah, yeah. than what I am at tackle.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that's fair. And that was the position and stuff that, you know, this past season, where we had a lot of question marks at it. And going into this offseason and going into the summer here, there's there's still some question marks there. One more question on the offense for you. And, and we know what they have at running back. We know with Chris Rodriguez, we know what your Tom McClain, I thought Mike Drennan did some good things there. Obviously, Cavassie smoked there as well. A lot of talent. We'll get into the tight ends up Shaw uh, back there at that spot. But there's one question I got to ask you, and, and at Kentucky Derek, and I know nobody hopes it gets to this point, but I was literally just asked this exact question on another podcast. If something were to happen to Levis, and let's hope it doesn't, but we know that we've had to cover this scenario before. Bo or Deuce? I'm leaning Bo. I, I like Bo. I thought Bo looked good. Uh, that would be my pick. But I think that's a conversation. Of who's the two?
1: Yeah, I think I would be surprised if 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 there was a scenario. I mean, God forbid you had a situation like Terry Wilson get hurt in the second game of the year for the season, and you know you're going to have to go a full season. Like, just based on – how they've invested in guys and Bo actually. I mean, like Deuce Hogan is a walk-on quarterback, I can tell. I know he's a scholarship guy at Iowa, but, like, he is a walk-on QB here, which I think is fascinating in its own right. Like, I think someone should probably do a story, like, on (laughs) how this guy from Texas who went to Iowa as a scholarship player is now at UK. But either way, it's pretty – I think a pretty good break for Kentucky. But to answer your question, I would think Bo would get first crack and – If he struggled or it was clear that, hey, he's just got some limitations that you can't work around, then then maybe you would get into a spot. Because let's face it, if Will Levis gets hurt in the second game of the year and he's out for the season, like, you're kind of screwed anyway. I mean, that's kind of how it is for any team uh, who's starting – I mean, when you're talking about a potential high draft pick, like, yeah, it's just you don't really replace that within a season. But Bo's in his third year of college now. He doesn't have a ton of game experience at all, but neither does Hogan. I just feel like they probably would give the nod to him, but mm. it's probably not clear cut either. And I, I mean, Deuce did some interesting things. He's the kind of guy. So like whenever you're watching it, and I mean, this is not a, this doesn't take much to see like Levis's arm is just on a completely different level and how he's just so effortlessly kind of throws it as hard as he does like Bo, you know, you can tell there's, there's nowhere near as much zip on the ball. Hogan does have a pretty strong arm, but I think the yeah. big difference with him and Levis, I mean, Levis is like a flick. Whereas Hogan, I think, kind of has to put a lot a of his body into up. it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he can throw hard when he does that. It just takes a lot longer. I mean, Levis is kind of a freak in that regard. That I mean, his arm's just—it's—it's it's crazy how yeah. strong his arm is. Um,
0: Man, that throw to Key yesterday, like, and and Dane being able to yeah. catch that ball, like, holy cow! Like, I'm Off like right God, there at the, the shoulder pad. <laughs> the thing, got, the thing got right. I mean, it was on him in a hurry though. Yeah. And,
1: too, like, Bo, like, he had – I thought it started Dane over the middle. I thought it was a good, good accurate yeah. ball. I mean, I think the thing with Bo is you trust him to be pretty accurate in the short passing game. It's just you think you get in an SEC-type schedule, and these these players are so good, and the defensive coordinators are so good. The big knock on him would be, you know, can he beat anybody over the top? Yeah. And we've not really seen Bo enough to know if he'd be able to do that. Um,
0: Completely different scenario around both those guys. When yeah. it comes to how you – how would you scout them and how would you prepare for them when it comes to Levis and Boehm? I mean, they're two entirely different guys. Uh,
1: the thing, though, and I just can't help but feel like given Bo's high – I don't know it's high school, but, like, he was a pretty prolific high school quarterback in Kentucky. He had real schools that wanted him. I mean, he – this was a good recruit. This wasn't like a – for example, this is not to call a kid out, but, like, Sharon, he – He was not a what you would call a heavily recruited guy, I don't think. I mean, he had very few high profile offers. I mean, if I remember, and again, it's recruiting, some of these offers are verbal. Maybe, maybe he couldn't have called up Georgia and committed, but like Georgia, Michigan are two schools I remember in particular that at least verbally offered Bo a scholarship. I mean, West Virginia was a school that with Neil Brown there that recruited him. I mean, he's he was a, a, a for a while thought to be the, you know, future quarterback of this program yeah. so I think with that in mind I do think he would get the chance over deuce and then it would be up to him you know how, how would how did he perform but I do think the knock is I, I think it's real I mean I when you're talking about a pro style offense like Kentucky runs now it can he make all the throws I mean I yeah, that's probably a real question mark but hopefully hopefully the most time we spend talking about the backup quarterback is right now and that they don't get into a spot where you're having to play that number two guy, unless the game is just completely out of hand. Um, a couple other guys I did want to talk about, Sean, just because there's always a spring game star. Uh, <laughs> Michael Drennan was the, uh, he was this year's got a lot of work. Old Drennan did. He had what? 10 carries for 46 yards, two touchdowns. He also did he catch a ball? No. Yes, he did. He caught two balls for 26 yards.
0: That was DeAndre Square on the stat broadcast. They had it all messed up. Every Oh, carry okay. DeAndre Square. So Square scored two touchdowns, huh, according to <laughs> stat
1: broadcast. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this whole running back situation. Obviously, Rodriguez, I think Rodriguez played, what, one series? I mean, just no reason to to play him any more than that. He uh, scored his touchdown on a, a screen pass, I guess, a little dump off. Yeah. Um, and then you had Lavelle Wright out with an injury. So with those two guys, basically you could say Rodriguez was out just because he wasn't going to get much of a workload. And then you have Wright out with injury that left smoke during the as the as the three running backs yesterday. And smoking it up with 10 carries, but a lot of that stuff came late in the game, it's, it seemed like, with the backups. I I don't really know what to make of this running back room because they're also still recruiting uh, – and I don't know how to say this kid's name, his first name, Gibran J- or Jabron, whichever, Pain, the Iowa decommitment. I um, think he's supposed to make a decision here soon. I don't know how it kind of stands for UK. It's UK or Notre Dame. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Smoke's in a spot now. He's a, he's a fifth-year guy. He very briefly in his career as a redshirt freshman in 2019, you could say was ahead of Rodriguez. After Rodriguez's fumbles against Toledo. Yeah. But once he got to about midway point of that season and Rodriguez took over, it's he's pretty much been second fiddle to Rodriguez ever since. And let's just face it, let's just call it what it is. Jatama Klein is much more versatile. J- Jatama Klein is gonna play over Cavassier Smoke this year. I have no doubt about that. So at best, if you're Cavassi, you're looking at probably third string carries. Well, I think what Lavelle Wright did last year and what people have talked about him this spring, I don't know that's a guarantee that he's going to play over him either. Yeah. So I think Kavasi is in an interesting spot. He's, I mean, you would never want to run – I don't think you'd ever want to run a fifth-year guy like that off, someone who has SEC experience. I'm all for Kavasia hanging around if he wants to. I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. Like, yeah. if you look at this thing realistically, you're probably good enough to go somewhere uh, smaller and, and get a pretty heavy workload. Yep. And if you're trying to play professional football, that might be more advantageous to you to do that. Well, yeah,
0: that was brought up to me too on on the other show that I was just on this afternoon. Was they were they were talking about the running back room, and they started with Rodriguez, and then led into Smoke, and that just being a name that's been in this program for a while. And I was like, and I was like, hold up a minute, because it's it's what we talk (laughs) about, right? Like where if you're not in this program and following it day to day, then you can kind of be misled a little bit, and then you don't really know those guys that are behind that are those young pieces that this staff has been so excited about. And Jaton McLean is one of those guys. And I was like, hold up, man. I said, he's still there. These other pieces are still there. But I'm telling you, Jaton McLean is going to be the guy behind Chris Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: So, and then, I mean, just – I think the offense was very impressive, Derek. I, I really do, from, from top to bottom. And I, I know – the offensive line has question marks there at the tackles. And I think that they have guys in place that with a strong summer and a strong fall camp and getting some experience, maybe they'll be just fine at those spots. I, I think for the biggest thing, though, is Kentucky has a quarterback for the first time that we feel really good about that can win you games, not just with, like, executing and, and hitting their throws, but win you games with their talent. I, I think Levis has that type of talent.
1: I mean, if, if it all clicks for Levis, they're just – very few guys who have his intangibles. Um, I mean, you have an all-SEC running back, and I don't know where he's going to land on the preseason all-SEC team. Probably second team. In, or, yeah, I would say around – What was, was he third team this year? I think Rodriguez was a third team yeah. all-SEC back. I mean, he's going to be a preseason all-SEC running back. Then um, you have Levis as a potential high draft pick. We haven't talked about the tight ends. I, I thought it was more than anything. I thought it was just really good to see Keaton Upshaw out there. Um he had one catch for 25 yards and I do and he fumbled right <laughs> on that one yeah. he got hit. Was it by Lovett? Is it who forced it? Uh yes. Um and also I'm pretty sure in a real game that would have been called down. I think the quarterback actually got sacked on that play. love
0: Lovett's uh, which... a guy we'll be talking a lot about tomorrow.
1: Yes. Uh certainly. Oh, also, shout-out Justice Dingell. Uh Showed some niftiness on that catching around that he had out of the fullback spot. I mean, it sounds like I don't know how often they're going to line up with the fullback, probably a couple times a game maybe. Um, but good for him that he's carved out some kind of role for, for himself because defensively it probably wasn't going to happen. Um, shoot, Sean, we've bounced around so much, I, I forgot a few things I wanted to talk about. Because uh, I kept mentioning Chris Lister at the beginning. Uh, well, that's knows, the thing. Like,
0: there's a lot of good things to talk about.
1: Yeah, everybody knows i a pretty big Chris Lewis guy. Uh, and certainly, no, he's way too young to be giving up on him at all. But I think this kind of serves as a, not necessarily as a notice to Chris Lewis. I don't think that's the case. But, you know, they brought Dane in, and Dane, Dane might be better than Chris is right now um, to this point in the spring. And you're going to be bringing Javon Baker in. I guess my main takeaway of Chris Lewis yesterday, and again, they've had a bunch of spring practices. They still have three more, I think. So it's it's nothing is uh written in pen at this point. I just felt like maybe he missed a couple opportunities where he could have helped himself yesterday. Yeah. You know, he, he needed to come down with that ball in the end zone that Bo Allen threw to him. Yeah, um, it should
0: have been a touchdown for sure. Should have
1: been six, yeah. I mean, and especially whenever you're a big possession guy like Chris is, like you need to be able to make those plays because I could be an area – I mean, Javon Baker. Once he gets here, he's probably going to be that physical presence down in the in the goal line. Um, but I mean, it's you know you're allowed to use other kind of guys. Chris might be able to find his find his way out there on the field with some other uh, big physical receivers as well. That could be his role at times, as being a red zone possession type guy. Um, I still like him a lot, especially physically. Here, like I remember talking to him last year at media day. He looks like he's put on some good weight already. Plus, you've had Will Levis talk about him in the the spring as a guy. And I think during bowl practices last year, he was a guy. So, I think Chris has a lot of talent. I just felt like, man, maybe if he comes down with that ball, maybe he gets a few more targets, maybe, you know, we're talking about him just as much as any of the other receivers. So, in terms of the public perceptions, most of us will not get to watch any more um, practices or or things like that. I guess they won't have any more scrimmages um, this spring but I just felt like maybe he missed an opportunity for himself. But with that said, I mean, what a, just going back to the top, what we were talking about just what a great spot to be in. Yeah. Again, I'm doing some assuming with Javon Baker. I just, I can tell you, I feel pretty comfortable saying it now because he's no longer here, but Liam Cohen, I think it's safe to say based on what I was told was, was higher on Javon Baker than any other receiver they were going to have in that room this year. And you look at who he was playing behind at Alabama the last two years, like I'm not going to hold that against Javon Baker at all, that maybe he didn't play a ton down there. Because you could come to Kentucky um, and make a real impact. Maybe he wouldn't have gotten as many touches or whatever. It's harder for him to get on the field. I just can't help but think that he's going to be a really good piece for this offense. Uh, But let's say he's not for some reason. Then you have two guys behind him who are both four stars out of high school, uh, Lewis has been here for over a year now. Dane got here in January. So it's not like these guys are just showing up on campus and you're having to count on them. I mean, I think they're – give a lot of kudos to the offensive staff for being able to put themselves in a situation like this so quickly. And they turned it around so fast from where it was a few years ago. Yeah. So I'm looking up and down this list. I don't see anybody else I think that we missed. Brendan Bates made a great contested catch.
0: Yeah. Might even, have
1: even have been uh, a – Really soft hands. Yep. Yeah. I like all these tight ends. I mean, uh, unfortunate, Cummings no. is still recovering. He wasn't out there. But they just got – I think that's the overall takeaway. And, again, we've got a whole summer and fall to talk about this. There's just so much offensive versatility that they can yeah. use on this offense, something that they've been lacking. I mean, even going back to that 07 offense, I mean, it was kind of set in stone, right? He had – Stevie Johnson was awesome. Keenan Burton was a great college receiver. Dickie Lyons was a tough slot guy. And Jacob Tammy was a great tight end. Yeah. But, like, that's kind of like what it was. I um, mean, those guys all perform. But this year's team, I think, is going to have so many talented players who can do a lot of things that, man, if they can just have average play at tackle and if Levis takes that next step, I mean, this should be a team that's scoring over 35 points per that's, game, like 35 per game, I think.
0: And what what about DeMarcus Harris? What do you think? I, a guy that, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking, too. A guy that's been in the program that has shown that he's gotten better. I uh, could, could see him carving out a role, too.
1: I mean, there's probably a pretty good chance DeMarcus is a starter this fall. Um, you know, in that three wide receiver set. I mean, I think you're going to have Baker, Robinson, and probably Harris. I think I said it already um, maybe a couple months ago. I think they're bringing in other receivers that are going to have a much higher ceiling than DeMarcus. Um, but he's the kind of guy that, I mean, he 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 showed up against Georgia last year. Made some good catches. Yeah. We'll will found him a few times. Had a touchdown at Mississippi State. He was the kind of guy, like I said, like I thought he was the, the type of player who might have had a might have thought about transferring potentially. I'm glad he didn't, yeah. um, because I, I like DeMarcus. But again, I, if you're giving me an over under on him on how many catches, like I don't I don't know that he's going to catch a ton of balls, but just be reliable and whenever you do get your number called, make some plays. Um, well, but uh, disappointed that the Kel wasn't able to go. I really wanted to see yeah, him. Me too. So, so he's the kind of him, him and Lavelle both. But again, like the good news is he's they didn't risk further well, injury. Um, <laughs> there was a
0: lot of talent that wasn't able to go. You know, on both sides of the ball. Like I mean, there there were some right.
1: Oh, yeah, on defense. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, Oxidon, obviously. You know, not back to to what he's he's going to be upshaw, still. You know, working his way back. Obviously, he was out there, but there there's a lot of talent you know, on this roster, Derek, that on both sides. And we're going to – so this was the offensive breakdown. We're going to dive into the defensive side of it on tomorrow's episode. And, Derek, unless something crazy happens with the men's basketball roster, yeah. which we, we know could happen at any moment. But we will get to a defensive uh, breakdown from the spring game. But, Derek, anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up?
1: Um, just that I'm really excited about the offense. I mean uh- –
0: dude, Scangarello, like in that interview yesterday, like that's a guy that he knows so much about football that I think he, he forgets stuff and doesn't even realize he forgot it. That's how much he knows. Like just the way that he talks, Will Levis, when he talked to us was like, my goodness, this guy just, you think, you know, football and then you talk to that guy. And then, you know, Mark Stoops was the same way. And just, he, he really knows the stuff and he was talking those same things about Will. Like if you can get down, get down because if you do that two or three times a game and you add that up over the course of the season then you've lowered your your hits by 30, 40, 50 hits. And that's yeah. you know 40 or 50 fewer hits than you have to take and, and do it. But then he was talking about if you want to get if you're giving up your body to get a first down or get a touchdown that's games on the line, you're gonna do it. And you saw the dude die for the pylon yesterday in the spring game. <laughs> <laughs> and the whistles blowing and everything but the, the big storyline too is, is yesterday they, they got out of the, they got out of their healthy. Yep, and uh, getting through this summer healthy. I know you had the veto injury this spring. You're got, you are got some guys working their way back, but you got to get into the fall healthy, and if they are, I think this is an offense and a team that when we go – when we're at that SEC media day there in July, and I'll be down there, we're going to be talking about, I think, Kentucky getting a lot of buzz. I think Tennessee's going to obviously have a lot of buzz as well, but Kentucky's not going anywhere. They're going to be right there.
1: And like I said in my tweet yesterday – there isn't there are enough question marks like if if someone were to ask me like okay you're super high on this offense but who's gonna play like who are your starting tackles who how, how do you know how scangarello is going to be able to call a game like there are real question marks. i'm not trying to dismiss that i just think that like if people sit down and kind of and again like another thing too is you're gonna be counting on some young guys so how how I will think he actually, whenever he gets, you know, press coverage against Florida in the swamp, you know, how does he react to that? Can Barry on Brown get a carve out a role? Like, again, not everything is set in stone and there's going to be a little bit of faith involved. I just think that all around, my thing would be like, I just think they're going to be better offensively. I really do. And they were pretty good last year. 32.3 points per game was, I think, in the 20s nationally. And that was by far the best in this, well, not necessarily by far. I think it was the best since 2016. I think 2016 they averaged 30 points per game. So that's the only two times in the Stoops here they've averaged 30 points per game, at least 30 points per game. I want to put it around 35 for this team. I think that's a good number for those guys, maybe even a little bit better. So I think that's a pretty big jump from having your best season ever and then uh, in terms of scoring offense under Stoops to, to possibly improving by three points per game. I think it's a real number, though, and I don't think that's wildly optimistic at all. Matter of fact, I'd be a little disappointed if they didn't hit that mark.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Like, that's an offense that's going to be impressive, and then uh, we'll talk a lot about the defense on the next episode of Kentucky Daily. All As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.